This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hey Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast from the 4th and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller, with me is Kayla Olin and Jake Grant, and it's hate week, it's the border war, Washington, Oregon, both teams ranked in the top 25. Uh, you know, just to start, let me know what you think about this rivalry. Go for it, Jake. I hate it. I hate Oregon. Uh, I have friends that are Oregon Duck fans, and the thing about it is they're not even regular football fans. They don't like the NFL. They don't follow college football. They don't know anything about college football. And it pricks me off because they're such bandwagon Oregon football fans because they're good as of recent and they like to rub it in and it pricks me off and it makes me hate and resent Oregon even more than I already do. So any chance that we get to beat them is a good chance. I'll take it. I'll never root for them. People always talk about, what you know pac 12 in the in the cfp or uh, bowl games or anything like that yeah i'll root for the pac 12 i'll even go as far as to say i'll root for wazoo i'll never in my life root for oregon ever the only time i ever cheer for oregon is if washington benefits from a win so if it came down to say wazoo and uw being in the north and when Oregon was out of it, right? Say like in 2016, would love to see Oregon beat Wazoo just to kind of help benefit Washington. But I'm with you, Jake, in terms of you never ever cheer for them, especially I'm not a back the pack person when it comes to Oregon as well. Um bull pickums though, I'll be honest. So if Oregon was playing, say Tulane, I'd probably take Oregon if I have money on it. But I choose not to bet on Oregon because I don't like cheering for them. Yeah, I moved from northern Washington into Portland, and that was at the height of Chip Kelly and the amount of green that I saw on the college campus that I went to, uh, the amount of people who it, it was it was an interesting mix because there was a, there was people there that knew what they were talking about that followed the team closely. Uh, and and followed them year in and year out, namely my family, my my wife and my in-laws. Uh, I was going to say, the, you married into a duck family. I did. I yeah. She's really attractive. Um, <laughs> and she's got a great personality. It's a good thing she's pretty because the yeah. cheer team suck. Uh, and, you know, we... How, how many times I've heard the name Marcus Mariota in my life, That was that was really when I was around the most amount of Oregon fans where it, you could name Marcus Mariota and that was the end of your list really drove me nuts. Um, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, I've moved back into Washington. I still got some Oregon fans. They're good fans. Uh, and I, I gotta tell you, I've never had a bad experience at Autzen. I've gone quite a bit. We, before kids, we would go every year. Um, I've always had a good time down there. Jake and I went down there twice. It's been great, but the program itself, I can't stand uh, the players that go there when do they move on, whatever. But when they're, uh, when they're a member of that program, uh, I, I, I don't wish them. I don't wish the program. Well, uh, I, 
I hope they go on 12 every year. And, I had a uh, miserable experience at Autzen. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah. But again, you're also married into a duck family. That's all you have to say. Is like yeah. your t-shirt just says like married into a duck family and people <laughs> leave you alone. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it, it helps having six foot five Jake with you too. You know, the the bummer was is that the only bad experience we've had in an Oregon UW game was at Washington, and it was another Washington fan. Yeah, you're you're correct. The it's it's um I don't for the most part like their fans can bother me whatever, but the fans that I know personally, I really I really I like them. Um, but that doesn't mean that I would ever root for them. Um, I, again, Owen 12 every year is what I hope for. Uh, however, we're about to preview a team that is almost the opposite of that. They have the one glaring loss at the beginning of the year and, uh, they've really seemed to take off after their, the win at Washington state that they should have lost. Right. You know, they beat up a BYU team that was looking like they were pretty good. BYU has been on to be pretty average, but coming from behind and beating somehow, I still don't know how they, they won that game, but beating Washington state really propelled them through the rest of their schedule. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about just first blush. I have my thoughts, but I've kind of been droning on for a little bit. So I'm going to let one of you guys talk. Uh, what do you see with this current edition of the Oregon program? Well, I have today's segment of Kayla's tangent really quickly. Because it's a showly segment where that showly's not even a word. We have a Kayla's wrong word of the day and Kayla's tangent segment. And now that we got one out of the way. What is your least favorite Oregon uniform combo? Like, what is one when they wear them? You're like, why? Oh, I have mine. Jake, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, mine are the ones where they wear orange socks and orange feet. Uh, and they, yeah. they literally look like a duck. I, I, those are really, really bad. That are those, those crown, the, the chrome helmets are atrocious. I hate the Oreo McFlurry looking ones. Oh, what about those blue ones? Oh, the web, they're like the, the cow. Flips? The one looks like cow. Yeah. I have great memories of that one. I watched them wear those live. T, T though, like my fiance, he brought up a good point. He was like, yeah, they wore those because then like when you look back at film or highlights, it looks like Washington was playing Cal, not that they were playing Oregon. Yeah. It's not a bad strategy. There's um, so many, there's so many to choose from. Um, I, I think Trevor's is probably the worst. That is by far the worst uniform combination that they have. Um, every time I see a new variation of the different jerseys that they have, it absolutely drives me crazy. It drives I hate, me the, I hate the all bright yellow. Yeah, that's what I was getting. The highlighter one that they wore when the safety yeah. zone. <laughs> yeah, they they looked. It was a. Uh, it was Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State looked kind of like an orange highlighter, and they looked like a green highlighter. That was a. That was a tough one on the old eyeball. Don't, don't they have one with they a giant O? just need to play o? on Boise State's field now. Yeah. Don't, don't they have a highlighter green with a giant O on it? Yeah. I, mean, I would assume so. Yeah. You name it, they got it. Yeah. It's like, what's that one song? Like, you want it? I got it. You want it? I got it. Like, that's basically what it is. 
I don't know Everything. music, Jake. This is going to be yours. I, I My mind instantly went to, it's Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Not even the same, like, year. Like, I think yeah, you're off you know. by, like, 10. You know, the, I'm just saying, at first thought, that's where my mind went. Love that. Um, 2022 version, the Fighting Dan Lannings. What do we got? As far as offense goes, um, unfortunately to say, it's a very prolific offense. They are complete. They are well-rounded. Unfortunately, Bo Nix, after game one, has really showed that he's a competitive quarterback in the Pac-12. He's been very effective. He's been very efficient. He's got 22 uh, throwing touchdowns to five interceptions. He's only been sacked once, and that is really hard to to fathom that in nine games you can only get sacked one time um the receiving core really pisses me off because troy franklin was a washington commit he's a stud he's a dude and he's their leading receiver um he's a great receiver he's big big play threat he's got a long of 50 he averages 16.3 yards a catch um the guy can flat out catch a ball i mean he's, he's a great receiver the thing that you need to worry about with oregon is the rushing attack they have four different guys including bo Nix, who can run the ball which makes bo Nix very dangerous because not only can he throw for 300 yards in a game but he can also beat you with his feet for 100 yards in a game bucky irving um he's he's their leading rusher with almost 700 yards he's only got two touchdowns on the season where they really thrive, again, I'm just going to keep beating this dead horse, is Bo Nix has 13 rushing touchdowns on the season. Holy he is God. by far their lead. They have 27 rushing touchdowns as a team. He has 13 by himself. Um, the guy is a dual threat as far as uh, I've ever seen a dual threat in college football. He can actually do both very effectively, very efficiently. He, um, their offense – moves with Bo Nix and Bo Nix has not had a bad day since Georgia. So for us to be competitive in this game on the road, which we've seen that our defense on the road is not the same as it is at home. You got to get home on Bo Nix. Yeah. Bo Nix also, because I kind of did a player preview as one of my articles this week and obviously talking about Bucky Irving and what you were saying and the, running legs of Bo Nix and how impressive that is. But also what I found probably one of the most interesting is that Bo Nix is the number one overall player in the country, not just quarterbacks or anybody, but overall player in the country in points responsible for. He has 218 points yeah. responsible for Tuesday. That is just insane. If you would have if you would have told me that Bo Nix could be potentially a first day draft pick after week one against Georgia, I would have laughed in your face because watching him against Georgia was absolutely atrocious. I wouldn't have even said that he was a Pac-12 quarterback watching him play for Oregon. But since that day, he has turned the tables and he has been, I mean, it's Michael Penix and it's Bo Nix, right? As far as best quarterbacks in Pac-12 go right now. But because of his feet, Bo Nix, has better numbers and he's been more efficient 
Yeah, and that's why also they don't use Bucky Irving either when they get inside their 10 because yeah. Bo Nix is able to do it on self. And if you kind of want to compare Wayne Tulapapa to Bucky Irving and their production, Bucky Irving just basically carries the team all the way down the field and lets Bo Nix do the same when they get there. For instance, like Irving has about 212 more yards on the season compared to Wayne and only eight more carries. So those are some pretty crazy numbers if you want to look at maybe what Washington's RB1 is compared to what Oregon's is and the kind of run game that they like to do. Yeah, I mean, Bucky Irvin, he's he's averaging seven yards in attempts. I mean, that I, that's almost a first down every time he touches the ball, and he's got 100 attempts. I mean, that it, he is a he's a very effective back. Like you said, he gets them down the field, and Bo Nix has that nose for the end zone. So with the power of Bo Nix running in the goal line, it makes for a very dangerous combination. Yeah, you know, fun. F- Sorry, go for it, Trevor. Oh, I'm just I'm curious with this offense. They've played a lot from ahead, especially one of the things that I look at with this Oregon um, schedule. You know, they really it's similar to Washington's with a bunch of bunch of teams that are, you know, outside the UCLA win is their biggest and best win on this on the schedule. But, you know, at Stanford, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, they're playing a lot of those games from uh, ahead quite a bit. So you're seeing more touches on the ground um, They're You know, they're scoring in the 40s for uh, all but one of their games. Um, but the receiving core is interesting because it's not necessarily as, uh, prolific as, as say Washington's, um, Troy Franklin is clearly the top receiver, but with 39 catches, but then you have three guys that have 25 or less, uh, and none of them close to 500 yards where you look at Washington um, and they have Jalen Polk is third with 28 catches and four, uh, 433 yards. That would be second on the team for Oregon. Yeah. So I guess just thinking about what this game, how this game can play out. If Washington is able to continue to um, be successful, stopping the run, does Bo Nix have what it takes when his uh, his fastball, if you will, the running game is taken away. Do I, you go ahead? I was gonna say, I mean, he has the ability to. He's still throwing for twenty two touchdowns at the end of the day, just shy of twenty five hundred yards, kind of like Jake was saying. So he has the ability to, but I. It's going to be interesting to see if Oregon changes their offense to match where Washington struggles on defense, which is the passing game. Right. And I mean, it's hard to really say that Washington did so good against Oregon state in the passing game because they're playing a backup who didn't throw the ball. And yes. And so we'll see if Oregon kind of wants to go the other route because how did Washington get beat? They got beat with, and I think Bonix is a good example to compare to DTR. 
in terms of the amount of rushing yards that they both have right now, their rushing scores, and how elusive they are. I think Bo Nix might be a better runner than DTR, but he's going to be the closest that Washington has seen. And they seem to take care of him pretty well, but that was also before I think Washington's DBs really got exposed. So I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon decided to pass more than usual. And and can we be realistic about – we, you know, we talked about the rushing defense of Washington last week um, in, in pretty good depth. And I got to thinking about it. How much of that stems from the fact that most of their games are being played from ahead? Um, Penix is throwing the ball all over the field. And teams just don't have the ability to run the football against us because they're playing from behind most of the time. Um, if point. you were to if, if you would have told me uh, at halftime that Washington would have won that game, I probably would have laughed at you because watching that Oregon State game, the first drive, they ran it down our throats. Yeah. And that was supposed to be the strong suit of our defense. And and we lucked out of a couple of drives in the first half to keep that game relatively cl- – I mean, really close. Right. And uh, it, it just seems to me that there is gaps for teams to run against us. And that's kind of what scares me with Oregon. Oregon saw the same thing that we did and probably more, in, I mean, guaranteed more in depth than what we saw watching it on TV. Um, we can break down tape as much as we want, but we are not coaches for Oregon. And they saw the gaps that Oregon State was running against us. And they're going to attack the same gaps. Yeah, I I guess I'm just curious because you saw Washington make the adjustments to take away those running lanes um, after they were able to get those stops because arguably we're talking that this could be – I still think Washington wins the game even if they kick those two field goals because I think Washington uh, goes down and tries to score a touchdown instead of settle for the uh, extra point or, – or the – sorry, the extra point, the field goal. Um. But does – I, I guess what I'm saying is I think that you're going to see Washington try to take away what they do best. And and I don't, I don't think Oregon coming in with only one loss, absolutely rolling through the last eight games of the se- of this season so far, why would they change? Why would they force their hand against a team that, you know, they're favored by almost two touchdowns. They are a top five – a top six team – why would they change their identity and what they do so well to cater to a team maybe that has different uh, a different style, but still you want to keep your brand of football. So um, I still think there's going to be shots taken. I think Washington's going to absolutely invite Bo Nix to try to beat him with his arm, which he very well probably could or will. Um, and, and you're going to see some big time explosive plays on Oregon's side, but I think that gives the ball back to Washington's offense. Go ahead, Kayla. Just to kind of answer, you know, why would they do anything to change what works for them? I think that, and I had mentioned it in the podcast with Leah, is that it's a rivalry game and anything happens in rivalry games. And I think that Oregon, seeing what's happened so far in college football and where they are standing right now, going into this game, being ranked as number six, they are right there in the CFP conversation, especially when you have a, and I'm going to say quote unquote quality loss to Georgia, because that is their loss, like you were saying. And so to make a statement on 
being able to put up all these points and be the best passer in the nation, I think that that's why we see a lot more um, of maybe outside the box things in terms of Bonix using his arms while using his legs. I think we just see a lot more. I think they want to put on the points, especially in a rivalry game. And I think that they will do anything possible to make a statement to the CFP that they should be considered for the number four spot. That's kind of just how I see them game planning for this because yeah. there's a lot more than just the Pac-12 North at stake right now for them. Yeah, and I agree with that point a lot, Kayla. But at the end of the day, they went to a neutral site. And to play devil's advocate here, they went to a neutral site and got absolutely manhandled. Yeah, boat raced by Georgia. I don't think the CFP committee can look past that, especially because Tennessee went to Athens and lost by, what, two scores? Um, a one-loss Tennessee team is going to get in past a one-loss Oregon team, yeah. even if Tennessee doesn't make the SEC championship game. Um, but that's not the point, right? The point is, is Oregon needs to make a statement and yeah, to to get better eyes in the CFP committee, they do need to boat race us. They need to beat us by twenty at least to look good in the eyes of 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 the committee. But at the end of the day, we're also still ranked twenty fifth in the nation. Yeah, and I and we're the healthiest on defense we've ever been. I just don't think that Oregon is going to divert from their identity that's worked. Um, for all the great things that Bo Nix has done, he's been able to do it. You know what you're talking about. He hasn't been sacked at all because the running game has been so good that these receivers are on islands and, and namely Troy Franklin has taken advantage of that. Um, I'm just, I'm curious if Washington can make them more of a one dimensional team where they, where they can stop the run or at least mitigate the, the effectiveness of the run, putting it on Bonick's shoulders. Are we going to see maybe a divergence back to the norm of Bonick's making some mistakes and can this secondary hold up long enough to, uh, you know, create either a turnover here or there or make a stop when needed. I mean, Bonex is beatable. He is not Captain America by any stretch. He started as a true freshman for Auburn, ended up coming back and leading the Tigers to beat Oregon in his college debut. Yeah. So crazy story for him there. But he also got benched the following year after he helped lead a team to beat Nick Saban in Alabama and Iron Bowl. He was benched to be replaced by TJ Finley. And so it's not like there is no way to beat Bonix. Like, yes, he's good. Yes, he's grown. Yes, he's around still good players. But at the end of the day, he's not unbeatable. And BYU showed glimpses of that. Uh, we saw Washington State essentially. Washington State. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beat them. That was the that was the biggest cooing I've ever seen. If it wasn't for cooing. That game's a loss. If it is any other school but the Cougs, mm-hmm. yeah, that game. Oregon is seven and two. Yeah, yeah. What I will say is Kenny Dillingham. Um, I think has shown everybody that he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. 
Uh, and I think that he's going to make a fantastic head coach at Arizona state next year. Uh, the way that they out schemed and outplayed UCLA granted it was at Autzen, but that offensive, that uh, uh, onside kick that they executed completely took the sales out of UCLA uh, that they were never able to get back. And I thought that was, that was the most frustrating thing because that was such an Oregon thing to do where you take the momentum, the place is rocking and the visiting team cannot secure any sort of momentum for the rest of the game. Uh, If that's, that's my biggest fear when it comes to this offense that they roll and they get a stop and they go up two scores and then Washington is chasing their tail. Like they did against UCLA where they were able to become within one score and then uh, you know, back to two and and just do this dance where they're never going to be able to make that stop they need because the offense is rolling uh, in such sync. Yeah. Especially in a much more hostile environment than they were in against UCLA and ASU. And I know, you know, we talk about like Autzen is what Autzen is and they're loud and their fans will show up. It's going to be, I think, part of me super concerning with this defense because it is going to be the most hostile environment they've had to play in so far this season. And if they lose to a UCLA team with 20 fans representing the Bruins, then makes me nervous for kind of Saturday. I don't know. Maybe that's what this defense needs, though. I mean, get screamed at. Yeah, I mean, I I know I always played better when there's hostile environments included into it. You know, there's there's a certain amount of of adrenaline that you feel as a player when you when you have that noise yelling at you and screaming at you. And and I'm sure that these guys are going to be up and ready for this game. And that's defense probably is going to have the most energy that you've seen out of this defense all year. But with that being said, communication goes a far way with defense and not being able to communicate with each other is with a defense that reels on the road is going to be difficult for this team to do, especially against an offense like this. Yeah. Before you go, Kayla, I will say that you think back to the UCLA and then the Arizona state game, that was the bottom rock bottom for this defense. Uh, And you've seen them improve since then. The Cal game was much improved. Oregon State, uh, they really limited what that limited offense could do, uh, but they still executing. And I think that you're not going to see an overcompetent t- uh, team defense, especially go on the road because they're not, they're, they're almost uh, 14 point, they're 13 and a half point underdogs. So I think that you're going to see the most focused and poised defense you're going to see all year to date for this defense. Go ahead, Kayla. It's kind of going to be a little bit of a transition almost, maybe, maybe not. But speaking of just the hostile environment in this rivalry, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Michael Penix was asked about what he knows about this rivalry and (laughs) how, yes, and how, you know, big is it, the hatred between it all. And he was kind of like, "Eh, I don't really know much. Like, it's a rivalry. Does like is that a little? He, he said, bit... "I don't really know much. I just know we don't like them. Those guys down there, pretty much. But I guess it's more of like, wouldn't you want somebody who is 
fairly passionate. I guess, and I'm not saying he's not passionate. That's the wrong word. But you I know, think you a Jake Browning point where you absolutely yeah. hate them, even though I you think don't grow up. You look in outside the transfer quarterback and probably the transfer quarterback on the other side too, and you're going to find some animosity because there's guys that are on Oregon's roster who have been on Washington's roster, uh, and yeah. we're not going to yeah. And and there's also guys who committed committed and went somewhere else. Uh, and there's guys that chose Washington over Oregon that are still in this program. So these guys know each other. They've chosen to take different paths and both of their, both of, if you're three years in at either of those schools, you've had a very tumultuous existence, whether you're wearing green or purple and, and that galvanizes you as a team. Uh, and then you have that other program and, you know, you know, the stuff that Mario Cristobal said last year, they went through a coaching transition. Some of these guys have been through two coaching transitions. I mean, there is, there's a lot on the line for these guys that have been here for quite a while. And then you have uh, your new transfers that, you know, this is the first chapter in their, you know, border war. Yeah. Buc Bucky's from the big 10. Bo Nix is from the SEC. Michael yeah. Penix isn't from the pack. You know, there's neither is Wayne. There's a lot of transfers in this mm -hmm. group right now. There's but... a couple of former Huskies or former Husky commits on that defensive line. Yeah. Um, Hockey. Who've, who've played against this offensive line. And you don't think that's going to be chippy. <laughs> that's where you're going to see it. You're going to see it. Uh, you're going to see it <laughs> on, in, in the trenches. But defensively, though, I think that's where it's really going to get interesting. Defensively, yeah. And this Oregon team is really interesting because they do give up some points, but I don't know how much that you can take from the uh, what they do when the game is close because Oregon has been running away with teams and then, you know, they're scoring some backdoor points on them. Um, they just <laughs> they don't give up much on the ground. And again, I think that that is because most of the time, they're playing from ahead. And so teams are throwing the ball a lot more on them. Um, Oregon, Oregon ranks first in yards per game uh, uh, in rushing defense. They're near the bottom when it comes to uh, passing yards. Uh, they're, they're giving up some yards. They have a couple of guys that have three interceptions on the year, but yeah. Oregon does have some, uh, there is ways to attack this secondary that have been pretty successful. Um, even some of the guys, you know, Christian Gonzalez has three interceptions and seven pass breakups. Uh, teams go after him every once in a while. Uh, the, the biggest name on there is Noah Sewell. Uh, he's, you know, one of the, he, he's probably a, a, a day one draft pick, uh, but DJ Johnson has six sacks. And, and I think that's going to be the guy that, Washington really has to key on when it comes to uh, making sure that Michael Penix continues to not be sacked as well. Uh, Oregon gives up 26, uh, about 26 points a game where Washington gives up 27. Um, so I think that they're comparable in the sense that, uh, or, you know, Oregon gives up points in the aggregate Um I don't know how many are competitive, but there are yards to gain against Oregon because even the teams that they've beaten, 
uh, have been able to move to ball quite a bit. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be important that Washington takes care of the ball when they get into the red zone to make sure they're getting points and not uh, giving the ball back to Oregon. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. And they're, if you look at their big plays, I mean, they have 15 sacks as a team. They have 10 interceptions and they have four forced fumbles and four uh, fumble recoveries. So they have the ability to make the big play on defense. And that's what you need to avoid as an offense, right? Is giving them the ball back because that offense can score in bunches and also putting yourself uh, like you did a little bit in the early stages of the Oregon state game and second, third and long. Um, You got to avoid those at all costs. If you go out and run on first down and you get, you know, you get one yard or no yards, you got to, you got to give Penix the ability to kind of get you out of that hole. Um, Because if you don't, it could make for a long night, you know, giving Oregon the ball back over and over and over with the the inability to maybe not be able to stop them. Um, So ball control and, and, efficiency in moving the football is going to be key for this offense moving, moving forward against Oregon. Yeah. And I think that Washington's receivers who did enough to win against Oregon state are going to be uh, a little bit more open. I think Oregon state has the best defensive backfield in the pack 12, in the pack 12. And I don't know if it's necessarily that close. Uh, They are super physical and, uh, I, you know, they, they really, there was a possession where they really messed with the receivers to, to lead to some, um, contested drops. Yeah. Washington just has such a knack, even with teams that have been able to get after Penix a little bit on third and long and fourth and long situations to figure out ways to pick up the first down sometimes relatively easily. Um, so I, I'm I'm ex, I'm encouraged by the offense versus defense. I really think Kayla, this might be kind of a shootout. Yeah, I I mean, we'll see when we get to scores. Kind of what everyone thinks. I think this one was really hard for me because you and I were talking with Leah, and I was just like, "Gosh, the more I talk about that, you know." anything happens looking at this wall, like looking at this offense compared to the defense, it makes me so hopeful. The what's at stake makes me hopeful. And I definitely think that if you put Washington's passing game with Oregon's running game, they win a natty. And so it's it's going to be which offense has the better day, which makes it, I think really hard to not, to disagree with it being a shootout (laughs) uh my first key we kind of already talked about it to take advantage of an explosive passing offense and Oregon being one of the worst in all of FBS averaging 276.6 yards allowed per game through the air I think that Washington needs to take full advantage of this especially when Oregon has a team passing defensive efficiency of a number 92 in the nation compared to, you know, them being a really good run defense, like you were saying, 
Washington being the number one passing offense in all of FBS, just they need to aerate it. And I don't care if it's an unbalanced offense, just win how you have to win. Talk about taking away Oregon's run game. We already talked about Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington and Bo Nix and how good they all are. Irving is the fourth best running back in the country in terms of average yards per carry. Best rusher on the team in regards to rushing touchdowns is their quarterback tied for fifth in all of FBS out of every single person who's touched the ball this season. And if Washington can keep Bonix in the backfield and take away what has worked so well for the Ducks all season, I think it will be a lot easier of a day for Washington's defense. And my final key is that the defense needs to pull through on third downs. The Huskies have repeatedly shot themselves in the foot whether it was questionable play calling, some pick sixes, being burned on pass routes. Most recently, Trevor, you and I talked a lot about it, was giving up automatic first downs from penalties and not stopping either third and longs due to just a play multiple times that we saw earlier in the season or more penalties and just not being smart with tackles. And so if the Ducks can gain momentum and they keep converting on third downs, that is horrible. Washington is the eighth worst in the entire country in third down conversion defense percentage, which is bad. And when Oregon is lost against Georgia, when it was close and should have lost against Wazoo, the Ducks went seven and 15 on third downs and four and 11. So if the defense can figure out ways to force punts and pull through on third downs and just be smart about it, I think the Huskies can get the dub. But that's a big ask. That that is a big ask, but you know what? Stranger things have happened. So let's get to our picks. I have mine ready to go. Come in, pulling up the notes here. All right. Oh, hang on. I need to specify. Gosh darn it, Jake. Okay. Three, two, one. All right. So Kayla says 45-31 Oregon. I say 45-39 Ducks. And Jake says 38-32 Oregon. Oh, no. You know what? They're favored. We hope we're wrong. But we have to have some sort of semblance of journalistic integrity. So what was the what was the point spread? Uh, point spread is 13 and a half. Who is? Uh, it's a 13 and a half point spread. No, Kayla, no, no, no. I have 14. Kayla's at 14. I'm at six, and I believe you're at six. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll see if we have to give one of the, well, if you have to go to Wyoming again, I guess. I was going to say, if it's a tie, you should make Jake go. I would agree. I think so. He literally, he was like Miley Cyrus. He's like hopped up the plane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm out. You know, I just was having a party in the USA. Uh (laughs) If it's cool that Wyoming has Dren- an airport, though. I didn't know that. No, they do not. We flew into Denver. Oh, shut up. Oh. <laughs> it's not that long. It's not that long. Uh, if if we tie, Trev, okay. I'll go. Well, look at you being a gentleman, making up for the fact that you missed Gentleman him. and, wait, a, scho- and wait, a scholar. Wait, he's going to get sick like day before. Day Seriously. Of. Oh, Come on, Jake. You, you, know, you can pod through gout, okay? So don't use that speak, excuse. Speak, 
Speaking of sick. If you were never in like the airplane, like in Wyoming, why couldn't you have just pre-recorded your confession there, Jake? Because I was busy having fun Cowboy. and drinking too many twisted teas. Okay. He's like he he watched four seasons of Yellowstone and he's <laughs> like, get me onto the Dutton Ranch. <laughs> That's in Montana. Come I know. On. I come on. Okay. They're, they're I'm saying you're same. a cowboy. They're the same stuff. Uh, I did wear my cowboy hat. There it is. It's big sky. Uh, it's all the same. It is big sky. Love it's be- it's beautiful sky. I can imagine. My I have punted Texas as my second favorite college team and received Wyoming. Different kind of cowboy. You get, That's a now, long... now you got the rider instead of the longhorn. Yeah. Not even yeah. that, but like to go to a game, you're that's a commitment now. If there's no airport in Wyoming. I'm sure there's an airport. We just didn't fly into it. Excellent. Denver's a lot cheaper. It's only like an hour and a half drive. I'm not that bad. Oh, in man. need of a confession. Yeah, we are getting away from the fact that Kayla has to confess. Uh, and <laughs> okay. so shoot for the moon, Kayla. <laughs> so Tom and Jerry was my favorite show growing up. And uh, I... You thought was... they were bouncy. <laughs> <laughs> they did go to the moon on one of them. <laughs> um, but I was like, no way when like Tom is chasing Jerry and he like runs into like a leaf rake and it like comes back and hits him in the head. Does it hurt that bad? And so I went out into the garage and I pulled out my mom's rake and I voluntarily just walked straight up into that lights out. I was was probably like six or seven when that happened, but I had to test it. I didn't think it was actually going to be that bad. And it was straight. I saw the birds. You have a scientific mind. I did the same thing. Yes. Yeah. I've done that before. Voluntarily too, right? Well, oh no, it hurts. Voluntarily though. You did. Yeah. I did it on, yeah, I did it on purpose. I wanted to see what, if it, if it actually, yeah. (laughs) Got a couple of scientists over here, Jake. Yeah, I can't deal with you guys. <laughs> All right, Kayla, let's hear your uh let's hear the um so I was going to cheer at Oregon or walk on the softball team at Oregon. And so much so that my senior pictures in high school, I they were taken on Oregon's campus. Drove all the way down to Oregon and my senior photos for high school on Oregon's campus. I wish you could see your guys' face right now or all the listeners could see your face because that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm doing a, I'm doing, I'm doing a podcast with somebody that A, married a duck and B, did their senior photos at Oregon. Oh, you want to know the we, best part? You want to know the best part? Made my dad we, drive all the way down from Port Townsend to Eugene on a game day so the traffic we sat through on a game day to get those pictures yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah so when, see, when did you make the choice that you decided you were not going to cheer and play softball for oregon and, and go to washington um when i got accepted to washington in march and then i took a line drive to the face and i was playing softball and had like a memory loss period for a long time and a really bad concussion and couldn't do anything. So Whoa. yeah. Whoa. I do not regret it at all. 
I do not regret at all. And I always grew up in a Washington house where he cheered for Washington over Oregon, but for like sports reasons, I was very highly considering Oregon. There you go. Yeah. I told you I had to share that confession, but it was not one that I, yeah, not, I don't really think many people know that. Now a lot of people know that. Kayla, I've known you for three years and this is the first time I've, I've heard that. Now all of our friends here. TJ now, never lets me forget it either. That's amazing. Um, uh, that, yeah, well done. Thank you. Jake, what are you watching this week? I'm watching, uh, Washington state of Arizona state. Um, Washington state's only an eight point favorite. And uh, mainly, I think it's probably because Cam Ward hasn't been super effective all season. He was pretty effective against Oregon, but other than that, not great numbers. Um, He's only posting a 64% completion rate, uh, 19 touchdowns to eight interceptions. He's been sacked 30 times. I am picking Oregon State to win this game as a major shocker. Um, mainly because I think that or uh, Arizona State's defense has the ability to take the ball away. They have 10 interceptions on the year, and I think he's going to throw a couple interceptions, and I think Arizona State's going to walk away with a win. I hope so. That is a hot take. Um, not that hot. N- not, not the hottest take I've ever seen, but... Um... Also, can we just admit that I just flat out nailed the Tennessee Georgia game. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were all big on Tennessee and you I was I, big on Tennessee, but I said that Georgia was going to beat them. I whiffed on that Kansas State Texas game. I yeah, yeah, I did too. Um you know, Jake, if that comes true, all of a sudden Washington State is sweating to make a bowl game. Yeah. Right now they have five wins. They have Arizona State at home. They go to Arizona, which is never fun. And then they finish with us. Could yeah. you they imagine don't... the Apple Cup coming down to Wazi make it a bowl or not? Oh, they, oh they, give if, me. They will not if they have something to play for, they will lose. Especially Every because time. especially because Jaden Delora would have had seven wins for them by now. I yeah, probably. Also, do you really think Jane Delora is going to lose to Wazoo when they do go to Arizona next week? Like, you know that man will jump in front of a truck to get that win. So so they yep. lose to Arizona State this weekend, like I pick. Kayla says then in return, Arizona beats them. Then, because we know that when I pick and Kayla picks, it's, it's factual. <laughs> Washington State's going to come into the Apple Cup with five wins. Wow. I am licking my lips. Excited to already talk about that podcast. That we're putting, we're going to manifest it. We're going to manifest it. Get your crystals out. Pray to <laughs> Zeus, Allah, Buddha. I got, I got, my, I got my cards ready. <laughs> Holy cow. cow. That would be, that would be just such a disappointment for Coog fans if that was the case. Um, wow. You just turned a game that I wasn't like that excited about into a game that I'm kind of probably tune into a little bit. But what can I say except 
You're welcome. <laughs> Kayla, what do you got? I have, we're going to stick on this Texas train here because number four TCU takes on number 18 Texas, who kind of like I had alluded to earlier, just got that huge win against Kansas State. TCU is now number four in the CFP and in the top 25. So they are the last undefeated team in the Big 12. Texas has won four of its last five with a six and three overall record and four and two in the conference. TCU's Max Duggan, though, is fourth in all of FBS in passing efficiency and has hit over 65% of his passes in his wins over the four ranked opponents, which is pretty impressive numbers. Three of his receivers have four or more touchdown catches and four of them average over 15 yards a catch, which is scary dangerous. Uh, but John Robinson with Texas is one of just two players in all of FBS with both 1,000 rushing yards and 200 receiving yards a season. TCU being first nationally with 14 touchdowns of 50-plus yards, crazy number. And Texas is 101st nationally, allowing 258 passing yards a game. So this is going to be probably a blowout for TCU, and I don't want to say blowout, but I don't think it's close. Even though Texas is seven-point favorites going into this game, I'm taking TCU with the win, also because I don't pick Steve Sarkeesian, even though it's a bowl game. Where is that game played? Texas. Let me double-check. I actually did not write down where it was played. I think TCU wins no matter what, but it where it's played depends on if it's an absolute shelling or not. Uh, it's TCU versus Texas. So, so it's at, it's at in te Texas Christian. Uh, Texas is getting shelled. The, uh, they're six and three. There's no reason that they should be in the top 20 right now. And they're going to get absolutely manhandled by TCU. I don't think TCU. And with that being said, I don't think TCU is the fourth best team in the nation. I think that they've been very fortunate with the, pretty let's say cupcake schedule as to this point and i still think they're going to shell texas nothing triggers me more than hearing cupcake schedule and i get flashbacks to espn <laughs> lining up cupcakes on washington's field um i'm gonna agree with you with because i don't think steve sarkeesian wins a big game and follows it up with another win Seven win Sark. Seven yeah. win Sark. We, <laughs> we, we've known him to win a big game or two. Uh, and we know that after a big win, he usually follows that up with a very flat loss. So I'm, I'm going to say that Texas doesn't do that. Texas Christian continues to be in that four spot and, um, you know, could at the end of the year be that sacrificial lamb that goes up and gets beat by 40 at Georgia. There's one every year. Go purple. Yeah, exactly. They're not um, making the CFP. Well, if they win out, they're going to, and I don't know who they're, else in the Big 12 is going to beat them. Tennessee. Tennessee's not in the Big 12. Tennessee's in the SEC. Uh, no, I understand that. Tennessee is going to make it before they do. Oh. Okay, but like, if you're, are you really gonna leave out an undefeated TCU yeah, team and a Big know. Twelve Conference champion? Yes, I don't think so. Yes, it, it if it would happen, it would be, it would be that. Um, but I, I don't think you can. I don't know. That's gonna be a all. Tough I care one. is Bama's done, and we had talked last week. How does uh, one less Bama make it? They are not making it. 
Yep. And so that's my game. Thanks for the segue again, Kayla is Alabama. Yeah. Alabama headed to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has one loss on its record right now. And it was a really, at the time, a really perplexing 45, 20, a real embarrassment to an unranked LSU team. That LSU team is clicking. That LSU team just beat Alabama last week. That LSU team has beat two top 10 teams now. That's the only blemish on Ole Miss's schedule. And looking at the teams they beat, Texas A&M, who's maybe not what the youth thought they were supposed to be, uh, Ole Miss took care of them. They beat Kentucky when Kentucky was seventh in the nation. And then they've just rolled everybody else. So I think this is going to be real weird when you start seeing bowl projections of Alabama starting to creep down that list into, you know, right now they went out and they have two losses. You're still thinking they're probably a new year six bowl team. You might see them in a lower tier bowl for the first time in recent memory. CFP Uh, history. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think this is, it's really weird because Alabama has struggled in the secondary and this Ole Miss team can offense. I mean, they're, they're really prolific on, on, uh, you know, especially running the ball, throwing the ball. Uh, they've given up a lot of points, uh, 31 points, 49 points. Uh, and even Arkansas got 26 on them. I expect this game to be played uh, in the 30s or 40s, and I think that Ole Miss's offense is going to do enough against this Alabama defense that we aren't used to seeing having holes in it. And uh, I think that's what you're going to see on Saturday afternoon. With that being said, I'm still picking Alabama to win this game. Interesting. I probably would too, just because when was the last time that Bama lost in back-to-back weeks, especially under Nick Saban? Right. I'll tell you uh, what, if I'm Nick Saban and I've been the king of the SEC, I'm not super happy that they sent me to LSU and then to Ole Miss in two straight weeks. Yeah, but like, think about all the times that like Pac-12 has been screwed in terms of oh for sure but the sec doesn't they protect their big boys they play austin p the week after before they play auburn yeah yeah it's i mean the worst part is it has to happen to somebody there is never a perfect schedule and it was it just doesn't awful. happen to alabama yes and Ever. now i think we've seen alabama exposed a little bit in having to not go from south alabama to mm-hmm. lsu and so I just, I, I just can't see Nick Saban and the kind of coach that he is. This team get two losses in a row. I just, I just can't see it. As much as I want Alabama to lose, right. as right. much as I want Alabama to lose, I just can't. I just, they can't just, see it. this Alabama team does not play well on the road. They should have lost to Texas. They beat Arkansas, who's turned out they, they're not even bowl eligible yet. Should have lost they, Texas A&M. They, they, well, Texas A&M was at home. They lost at Tennessee, at LSU. They have at Ole Miss as their last uh, road game. I just, I, it, it would be unreal to see Alabama. They're home this year versus Auburn. Yes. That's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't matter where they were yeah. playing Auburn this year. Auburn's an absolute. They could play in Seattle. Fire. Yeah. 
pay to go uh, to that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, it, it, the problem is, is it's not Alabama's offense that's losing them these games, right? It's, it's their secondary. Yeah. We watched Alabama control the college football world by defense for a lot of years. And it wasn't just two years ago or it wasn't even last year in the SEC championship when they interviewed Nick Saban and he said, you know, you kind of have to beat these guys to the punch, right? They switched from defensive focus to offensive and let um, Bryce Young take over and score them 40 points a game. But at, at the same point, they're still getting five-star commits on their defense, but they can't stop anybody. It's incredible I, to watch the tides of change with Alabama and see them go from allowing 12 points a game to now 40 points a game is a heck of a swing. And it's kind of a detriment to what's happening to them right now. I like what you did about the tides changing in terms of yeah. Alabama. You say you like that? Ah, Unagi. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's a wax on Daniel Sutton. Of the, of the top teams, defense defense is hard to play in college football just looking at the top teams and and how well they're able to stop other teams obviously i think georgia in my opinion is number 1 and everybody else is a tier below them mm-hmm. georgia um, wins the natty this year i don't think yeah. it's even that close i mean the most they've given up all year is 22 points but you look at the other teams that are in the final four right now, you know, maybe Michigan's defense is comparable to what they're able to do, but. Uh, do you have Georgia's schedule pulled up? I, I did. Yeah. Who do they have left? Georgia has. Georgia tech. They have Mississippi state, Kentucky and Georgia tech. Watch Mike Leach beat Georgia and I will have an aneurysm. There is a zero percent chance that's yeah. going to happen with that secondary. Georgia's going to stroll into the SEC championship yep. game. Yeah, it's it's. I I mean, there's nobody in the country that is going to be able. Tennessee was only, and they have a great offense. Was able only able to put up thirteen points. So they go they go into the SEC championship game against um, LSU at this point. Yeah. LSU puts up maybe 22 against Georgia. Yeah, I mean, three touchdowns is probably all you're going to get. And Is know, there a better offense that's going to play Georgia than what we just saw last weekend? Do you think that Ohio State or Michigan or TCU? Ohio State, yeah. I think, I think Ohio State's the closest. Do you, you think Ohio State's better than Tennessee's offense? Yeah, I think that the amount of weapons they have on the outside, the, the – the quantity of NFL players that they have plus the quarterback and CJ Stroud. I think you're going to see it's, it's going to be, those guys are all going to be in the NFL in shortly. And I think that that is an offense that's going to be able to put up the most points against Georgia. Uh, but I think Georgia is going to be able to score on or Ohio state at will. So um, that's the only team I see maybe competing with them. But Ohio State has to first get through Michigan, and they play such a style of football that when they do it right, they can really mitigate an offensive explosion. 
Yeah, and that's what Michigan's been the last what ten years. Hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, and, really and, well and in the last three. And it and it worked to a point until they played Ohio State for the last ten years until last year. Yeah, in which they dominated. Yeah, I mean that was the last time in recent history that I can remember that defense that Michigan's had. I mean they've had a pretty stout defense for the last ten years, but last year was the last time I can remember that that defense actually stifled Ohio State. Yeah, and. And other players beaten Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, it, the CFP conversation is so nuts right now because honestly, I think Tennessee is the fourth best team in the nation. And I think the committee knows that too. But it's hard to keep a one loss Tennessee in front of a zero loss TCU. Well, you can do it right now until. Later in the year, well, I guess Tennessee won't be in, won't be representing the SEC either. So you can't even make that argument. Right. I, I guess to tie back to the Pac-12, um, in terms of the CFP, do either of you see whether it's Oregon running the tables and winning the Pac-12 conference title, or UCLA doing that, or USC doing? Do either of you see a Pac-12 team in the CFP right now? No. If they win out, yes. Um, no. I think you think that, they would take them over, say, a undefeated TCU, or you? Think they won't they, take them over an undefeated TCU. Um, they won't take them over a one-loss Tennessee. Depending on what happens to the Ohio State Michigan game, if USC or UCLA is able to run to table, they can get in. Um, you think? And and I think that Oregon is maybe the best of those three, but still you will not be able to convince a voter if Michigan loses a close game to Ohio state. And then, you know, TCU drops one, you still have Tennessee out there who played a much more complete game against Georgia than Oregon did, even though it's in the beginning of the season. And even though that sets up a horrible precedence to tell teams to play bad teams in the non-conference. The only reason why I think they would even consider Oregon is because Bo Nix is a Heisman candidate. That is one of the only reasons is because you have a quarterback who is a Heisman candidate. Why would you not give him a second chance? I guess like we've seen, you know, two teams face each other once in the season and then have to face each other again in the CFP. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, uh, they could be worthy. And I think that, it's a good argument for 12 teams. I mean, I don't want to see them in the um, CFP. I was I think, just, I was just saying. Yeah. And I think, I think that the, if, they, they, if they could have a really compelling new year's six bowl game, but I just don't think with the teams that are still ahead of them, if things go not chaotic, they just, that loss will continue to be a black eye for them. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget that they have to probably shell us to even be considered for the CFP this weekend. If we go into Autzen and it's a one score game, that's not going to sway the committee's opinion about them. Yeah. You know, you just had a 25th ring Washington go into Oregon and lose by five points. No. Especially when you're supposed, you should have lost to Wazoo. I think that they will look at all of that. I think the biggest 
team to probably get in for the Pac-12 is probably USC, unfortunately, even though Whoever wins I, think, I think UCLA is a way better team than USC, but USC has the name. Yeah, and that one will get decided on the field. Um, I Going back to Oregon, Oregon's going to have a hard time getting through these last three games unscathed, and if they do, then they're absolutely worthy of having a conversation about have they done enough? I, I don't think it's going to be enough, but they definitely would have an argument for sure. Because getting through your rival who's ranked in the college football playoff, then having another team ranked in the college football playoff, then finishing with a stout defense, you're, you're going to feel good. And, and Oregon State's still knocking on the door of being ranked. So that's, man, those are some good teams. And, and if Oregon State, you know, uh, let me see where Oregon State's at. Oregon State should. I think they're they're one. Either of the way, you also you also have Oregon having to play Utah next week too. Yeah, that's yeah. These are and I alluded all, to that one. These are three, and I only say tough with Oregon State. You also, you know, mentioned them being undefeated, but again, it's a rivalry game. And well, and Oregon so, State's going to be ranked again because they're going to beat California and they're going to beat Arizona State. Yeah, so, and they should have Chance Nolan back. They're starting quarterback. Right. So I think that you're, you're feeling, if you get through this, you're going to, regardless of how it plays out, you should have three ranked opponents to finish the year. That's how you finish a year strong. I don't think Oregon's going to get through that unscathed either. It'd be impressive if they did. It would be, oh, they would be worthy of a college football playoff spot. We're getting a little long here, but. You know, I mean, what it's a, good to talk about as the season yeah, wraps just, up. What a, what a great week. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this week. Um, the amount of anxiety that I'm going to feel on Saturday morning through kickoff at four and then, you know, however long the game takes, uh, those, those are some of the most anxiety-filled uh, hours of a year for me. Uh, we're taking the whole family. My parents are coming down. We're taking the in-laws, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and the boys. Um, Owen's dressing up. Uh, Owen's wearing purple. Um, so he's going to be my favorite son that day. I was going to say. Kason's <clears throat> wearing green. Um, and we're, you know, we're going to have uh, that. It's going to be. I can't wait to see what happens. But yeah, the, the anxiety level is going to be high. Uh God, I want them to win this game, and I believe there's a puncher's chance. I'm not going to pick them, but, man, I'm going to be rooting hard for them. Yeah, I have a college game, so I will not be watching. I will have it recorded, and depending on the outcome and how close it is, I will either watch it or I will not. <laughs> so heads up on that one if you listen on Sundays. Jake, are you watch uh, I'll be uh, working in my shop all day. <laughs> Not watching the game. I'll probably watch it Saturday late night after finishing in my shop and um booking your plane ticket to Wyoming. And maybe booking my plane ticket to Wyoming <laughs> if <laughs> if they lose by what is it gotta be nine or less. Yeah, I'll be I'll be on my way to Wyoming. Well, that'll do it for us. Always go dogs, Trevor Mueller, Kayla Olin, Jake Grant. Go dogs. Go dogs.